You pour your heart into your business, you give to your clients, and you take care of your family and your community. And you put off taking care of yourself. When you only focus on doing, you bottle up your emotions, which taxes your body and depletes your energy. You struggle to show up, to keep up, and to create results. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross. About 10 years ago, I burned out of the only career I thought I'd ever have. I got divorced, and I was crushed with chronic illness and pain. Now I have a business that I love, a husband I can grow with, and my health is on track. Through the power of coaching, I have come to recognize the resilience and power I carry within my soul. You have this resilience and power as well. Welcome to Inflow with Soul, where we create the space for playful restoration. Space to pause, to play, and to connect with your soul. Because when you take care of you, your results will take care of themselves. Welcome to Inflow with Soul. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross, and I am excited to have a conversation today with Melissa Bell. Melissa Bell is known as the menopause coach. And as someone who is now approaching that age in life, I am super excited to talk to you about this on a personal level. But I also know that um, a lot of the beliefs or things that I think I know about menopause are shared widely by my peers. And so that's what I really wanted to discuss with you today, uh, Melissa, is what are some of those myths about uh, menopause that we can let go of? And how can we make this experience, um, I dare say, as, as pleasurable as possible? It's a transition in our lives. Yes. It is a transition. It's exactly what it is. It, it can totally, totally be pleasurable just depending on how you approach it. So um, a couple of myths is, I think the biggest one is that you have to suffer through it or go on hormone replacement therapy. Um, I did not go on hormone replacement therapy and I did not suffer through it. I did in the beginning during a little bit during perimenopause before I really got a handle on um, how to nourish my body and my soul in order to make this transition with ease and flow. Um, another thing is that you have to go through it alone. I feel like so many women feel like they can't talk to their spouses about it. You know, they're, they're not really sure of like who to turn to about it. When you go see your doctor, you usually get about 14, 15 minutes with your doctor on average a year. So, you know, it's just like, I feel so many women think that they're all alone in this when really there's 6,000 women enter menopause each day, each day. <laughs> so you're definitely not alone. <laughs> so let's talk about this idea of, that we have to do this alone, because I think that really underlies a lot of the other beliefs maybe that we have about this transition mm -hmm. in our lives. So what are your theories about why we tend to believe that we have to, we can't talk about this. We can't talk about it with our spouse who's probably experiencing this with us at some degree. Right. Yes. Um, and that we can't talk to our doctors about it. And, and I guess I'm partly answering my own question. So forgive me <laughs> for that, but maybe it's just, I don't even know what to ask. A hundred percent. Right. You don't know what to ask. So many women don't even know that these obscure symptoms like heart palpitations, insomnia, things like that can be tied to perimenopause and menopause. So they don't even know the right questions to ask. And <clears throat> I just had my annual checkup this uh, two days ago. And I was talking to my the nurse practitioner about what I do. And she's like, 
oh my God, that is amazing and so necessary. She said, we get one class on menopause in school and everything else is focused on the reproductive years. So even like someone who's been to medical school telling me this, right? So the fact that we feel so alone and so uninformed, like so are our doctors, you know, and, and God bless, I love our doctors, but you know, they can't be all things to all people and they do have, you know, have so many other things to do. So I feel that because it's not part of their natural conversation or definitely not with your, depending on your relationship, like your spouse's conversation, we do tend to feel alone, right? Like, so our, our, our moms and our aunts and our girlfriends at the time prepared us for getting our first menstru menstrual cycle, right? Like we knew what to expect. We had everything lined up and ready to go just in case, you know, it came and we read the books and watched the videos and stuff. But this, it's like radio silence. Like nobody talks about it. And it's just, I feel, I don't know. I don't know what, how to explain it. I don't know if it's whether like, haha, we suffered through it. You have to too. Or like, if it's just something like, you know, just it, no one just really wants to talk about it. I wish I had an explanation, but I love to talk about it. So okay. I love it. So th there's permission to talk about this, even if I don't know what to ask about mm -hmm. it, just yeah. start asking questions. So I'm here today. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. So let's talk a little bit more about the myth about suffering through this. So this, um, I can't even say that I've heard much about menopause from my elders, right? Yeah. You watch it, you observe from a distance, especially when I'm not around my immediate family who mm -hmm. may be going through this. Yeah. Uh, and again, it's not a conversation I have with just colleagues or, or <laughs> casual acquaintances. Yeah. Um, so this idea about suffering through it, what's the alternative? <laughs> to not suffer, <laughs> to go through with ease, ease and flow, right? And I feel like um, also society might be a little bit to blame or Hollywood might be a little bit to blame in that we have to suffer through it sort of a thing. Um, I think the only time I've ever seen a woman who's menopausal portrayed and talking about her menopause, like, you know, on the big screen, our little screen was with, uh, Kim Cattrall in Sex in the City 2. Uh, Samantha is her character, right? And she <clears throat> was going through menopause and they took away her pills at the airport that she needed and she was freaking out. And then they show her like in um, a bazaar in Saudi, I think it was Saudi Arabia. And right. like, she's having a meltdown, screaming, like enraged, like, cause her hormones are going crazy. And I'm like, really? That's how, like, that's yeah. what people show us as, you know, it's just like, that's the image that people have, or, you know, someone just sweating and hot flashing all the time. And you don't have to, um, they're totally, uh, foods and things you can eat and things not to eat that can totally support your body during this transition. For me, um, going on hormone therapy was not an option for me personally, uh, my son is an IVF baby. I did several rounds of IVF before him and after him. I was on the pill like all through my 20s and into my early 30s. And just the more I learned about, you know, health and everything, I just didn't want to put more hormones into my body, even if they were bioidentical hormones. And I, you know, being a, a health and nutrition person coach, I was like, there has to be a better way. There has to be something that can help me support my body even better. And so there are, there are lots of foods that you can eat that will support your body, clearly staying away from everything you hear normally, processed foods, sugars, you know, things like that will help you. Um, and also reducing your stress load. Okay. 
reducing your stress load. So it, it's, it's not just woo to do meditation or yoga or breath work. It's like a physiological response that will help you go through menopause a lot easier. Okay. So take me back for a minute when you were mm-hmm. talking about the um, hormone replacement therapy. Yeah. Um, I have not looked into this enough. I'm not doing, I'm choosing not to do that for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I've made that choice, honestly, I didn't really even do a lot of research into it. It was right. just something I, at, to this date, at least I've chosen not to do. Mm-hmm. So what is the theory behind hormone replacement theory? What is it supposed to do for us? Just as it says, replace our hormones. So as we enter perimenopause and menopause, our ovaries are either slowing down or shutting down production of estrogen and progesterone, which we need, right? Keep your heart healthy. They help keep your brain healthy. They help keep your skin healthy, right? So all these things there, your hair, um, you know, that's why like when you get pregnant, you have like amazing hair because your body is like pumping, you know, extra progesterone and things into your body, like progestation, right? That's what that is. And, um, you know, then it slows down. And so what the hormone replacement therapy is just to replace what your body is not naturally making anymore on its own. Can I interrupt you? Yes. Because the question that I have about that is before there was hormone replacement therapy, and I know it, it kind of, well, what I would say that it mitigates some of those symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, we're meant to have those hormones decrease. Are we not? Like we are. So, but if you, I mean, if we want to go way back in, in earlier evolutionary times, women did die pretty quickly after menopause. Like we didn't live that much longer than menopause. It's only like in our menopause though, did it? No, it didn't have to be, but that's how our bodies were cycled. Right. So not saying we're supposed to die. (laughs) but I'm just saying like, that's how it worked. Right. Right. So we didn't have, you know, long life expectancies after we went through menopause evolutionary wise, but um, yes, but so, but we aren't supposed to produce babies forever. Right. We're born with set amount of eggs or, you know, that whole thing, but um, yes. So they are meant to replace it because there are benefits to having estrogen in your bodies, but our bodies do keep producing it. Okay. Just not our ovaries. At just not our ovaries and not at the same level. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So is a hormone replacement therapy, if you choose that route, is that kind of like a, a lifetime choice or is it just through... Um, it depends. It depends on what your doctor will have you do. Um, some there's been studies that show like there's no added benefit after a certain age, that sort of thing. Or if you didn't go on it by a certain age, like then there's no point in going on it. So there's all different um, studies. So your your doctor would know best um, as far as that goes. But like I said, like there are your body is still producing them, and you can help your body a lot. <laughs> you know, so that you don't feel so out of balance. Great. Mm-hmm. So I just want to kind of wrap that that piece up or connect those dots that when you're talking to your nurse practitioner and she says mm-hmm. she's one class in menopause and, and med school, and is there a connection between maybe, and this is totally your opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah. their level, uh, the, the medical practice's level of an, an education about the matter And then here are the drugs. So I'm jumping to a conclusion. My story here that I think I'm hearing is we had one class on this. And if we haven't experienced it for ourselves, that's the extent of our knowledge of it. 
here are um, hormones that I can prescribe. Let's, that just seems like an easy answer. Let's just put that answer on and call it good and say we're doing something. Well, I mean, look at the whole medical industry as a whole, that, that, look, the Western medicine as a whole. That is our answer, right? Like, you're sick, take a pill. You know, and, and which is more and more people are pushing back against that, which is why functional medicine doctors are becoming more and more prevalent or people are starting to look into them and learn more about them. Right. Because <clears throat> you got to treat everything else before just throwing a pill at it. Right. So I'm not going to speak for every doctor. There are definitely some doctors out there who are so knowledgeable about hormones and things like that. But I don't know how far and few between they are. Fair enough. Yeah. So I really I wanted to have that conversation because I think for a lot of us that may be the extent of our faint knowledge about this experience, yeah. right? Yeah. Um so we know hormone therapy, we now know a little bit more about that and you're telling me that there are other options that I, I can. Are. So tell me a little bit about what else can I do then so that this experience is a positive growth experience for me and not something that holds me back. Yeah, 100%. So I'm going to say that there are definitely like foods that you can eat to help support your body through this. I mean, it's a normal route. Get rid of processed foods. Don't eat a lot of sugar. Limit your alcohol intake. You know, all those things that we, you know, eat a lot of green leafy vegetables, all those things that our doctor tells us normally. <clears throat> but there are specific foods that you can be eating that will help support your body even more. Okay. So phytoestrogens such as soy, flax, things like that. I know like soy gets a very bad rap and it, it has for years, but I'm talking about like soy in its most natural state. So like miso soup, or edamame, right? That's the pot that you're eating the bean. It doesn't get any closer to its natural states. Stay away from stay away from processed soys, like soy isolates and things like that. But if you're eating things as close to nature as possible, 99% of the chance can't go wrong. Don't go eat a mushroom that you can't identify. <laughs> but I mean, like, usually you can't go wrong. You know, flax seeds are great. Um, uh, uh, chickpeas and sesame. Um, paste sesame seeds are great, so two of them together is hummus. So, hummus is a great food to eat, things like that. So, what are some of your other favorite foods that you go to to mm. support your body? Hummus beets. is like one of them, yeah. Beets is a really good one. I love beets. So, a lot of times, um, because of our diets or environmental toxins, things like that, we have uh, a lot of our liver isn't functioning as well as it should. So I always have my clients drink a detox tea, eat beets, eat um, cruciferous vegetables, things like that, like things that are going to support your body and help your liver do what it needs to do because your liver will also clean out all those environmental estrogens and all those extra things that are in there and help keep your body working properly as well. Okay. So with your clients, it sounds like you start with some nutrition guidelines. I do. So nutrition is a big thing. Um, mindset's a big thing too, though. You know, I definitely work with them a lot on um, why they want to do this, right? You know, like why they're on this path and things like that. But also I work a lot with them to get their stress levels down. Huge, huge component of this. So I, I don't want to state the obvious, so I'm going to ask you to. <laughs> what happens when um, chronic stress is present and we're experiencing the, now the onset of menopause? Yeah, 
In my humble opinion, and again, it's just my opinion, I really think that stress is causing more and more women to go into perimenopause earlier and earlier. Um, I myself went into perimenopause. I was, let me do the math. I was 41 (laughs) when I went into perimenopause and I was 46 to 47, right? Because it's a year without your cycle when I hit menopause. So it's super young on the spectrum of everything. And I think stress has a lot to do with it. So physiologically, what happens is, uh, like I said, your ovaries are producing less and less. And so your adrenal glands take over mm-hmm. for uh, producing the estrogen and progesterone. And because your adrenal glands are also responsible for your stress response. So whenever you're stressed out in that state of fight or flight or freeze, your body pumps out cortisol, your adrenal glands pump out cortisol. So if if you're always stressed out, and by that, I mean like we are no longer running from the saber-toothed cat that chased us into our cave years ago, but our body still responds the same. So if you're constantly in that state of stress, like, oh my God, I have this deadline at work. Oh my God, I forgot to pack my kid's lunch. Oh my God, my iPhone is sitting on the counter and now I'm you know, halfway to my meeting, anything like that, that stresses you out, your body responds the same way it did thousands of years ago. So what that does is your adrenal glands are pushing out cortisol constantly, 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 right? Because you're always, always stressed and guess what? It's not able to produce. It can't do two things at once. So you're not producing the estrogen or the progesterone that your body needs during perimenopause and menopause because you're not getting it from your ovaries. So that's one part of the equation, right? It's like pushing out the production. But the other part is if you're constantly stressed, that just sets off your whole body, like the extra cortisol and everything sets everything haywire in your body. Um, when you when your body pushes out cortisol, what it's doing is then cortisol then helps bring a lot of um, sugar into your blood, right? Because you're ready to fight, right? You're ready to run. You're ready to, to do something back in the day, evolutionary wise, which is a great thing. Well, we're not doing that anymore, right? So you're pissed off in traffic and you got all this blood sugar pumping around because you're stressed and then it has nowhere to go because you're not burning it off and it goes right here. So okay. is that then the connection with weight gain and menopause that there's- it's part of it. I think it's part of it, right? Weight gain is always, so the, the lowering of uh, the, the estrogens and progesterones are, are doing that too, but the stress is adding way more to it than it was before. Got it. Yeah. So the lower estrogen and progesterone production is the more likely we're going to gain weight anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then add on stress, which means that we're going to produce less of those, those hormones and more of cortisol, which is going to increase our blood sugar. And yeah, it's not burning <laughs> off. We're going to save that as fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I can see the connection now between um, managing our, our stress um, and how we manage these symptoms. And so important too, because, you know, estrogen protects our hearts from heart disease. Like it's, it does a whole bunch of things. And again, stress, you know, can help contribute to heart disease. So again, it's like all these things that are compiling on top of each other that if you don't take care of it, it can really, you know, affect you. Definitely. Mm -hmm. All right. Can we, I I would love to make this conversation a little personal for you. Is that okay? (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, in this whole path of, of to entrepreneurship, uh, one of the things that I'm coming away with is that here's my belief is that the path itself has challenges. 
even if I was the most put together, most had it woman, if I choose to go down this path, I'm going to encounter challenges that will challenge me. And that's going to increase my stress levels, right? So tell me a little bit about your experience of building your business and experiencing these symptoms. How do you, and you have a family, Mm -hmm. right? That you're also balancing. So how, how have you brought all of this together? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not superhuman. I have my days where (laughs) it just gets to me. Uh, but yeah, entrepreneurship is hard. It's, it's definitely not easy. Um, before I embarked in this, like I, you know, I was law enforcement for 10 years, which was stressful in and of itself, but a different kind of stress. I feel like entrepreneurship is a person, like it's personal, right? Like, like it, it feels very like, oh, they didn't like me or, oh, I must be doing something wrong. Whereas law enforcement was like a different, it was an outside stressor. Um, so it's hard not to get bogged down in the comparison and the I'm not good enough or, you know, as being an entrepreneur. But then I remind myself like, so we have outside in our yard in the spring, not now, we're snowing right now, but in the spring, we have a very fat Robin that sits in, that's in our yard. He's always there and he's way fatter than all the other Robins. He doesn't care. He doesn't compare himself to the other Robins, right? He's just happy living. So we need to take a cue from nature and from the Robins to stop comparing ourselves to everyone else. We see all these overnight successes and we think, oh my God, it's happening for them. It's never going to happen for me. We don't see that they were like working for eight years before they got to where they are. So I think that's the thing, like stepping back and really being able to like, okay, I'm exactly where I need to be. I'm doing everything I need to do. It will happen. I know it will, right? Just keep telling yourself that. Stop comparing yourself to everyone who has like 10,000 followers on Instagram or whatever, (laughs) because it doesn't matter. That stuff doesn't matter. Um, The stress of being a mom, and a wife and also trying, I mean, my kid was complaining to me this morning, you're on calls all the time, mom. And it's like, well, I'm really not. But in the moment when he wants to talk to me at that moment, that's what it feels right. right. So really being cognizant of that and trying to make time to like, you know, be there when my family needs me, but also like grow my business. Right. Because I'm the reason we're doing this, a lot of us, and you know, even if you don't have a family is to make life better. Right. So keep that as the end game. Try to make it as fun as possible because, you know, do you want to own your business or do you want your business to own you? So that's, yeah. So give me an example of a decision that you've had to make when you were, um, you know, maybe you were asking yourself that question, is my business going to own me or am I going to own my business? Can you, can you think of one? Um, So I'm very cognizant of scheduling time for me. Right. So that's a decision that I make. Like I get, I, I make the decision to get up at five 30 in the morning. It's, and it's non-negotiable. Well, sometimes like five 40 when I finally roll out, but like, it's a non-negotiable to get up in that time frame because just like, it's a promise to any of my clients or anyone else. It's a promise to myself to take the time for me to get me in the right frame of mind and the right frame of body and be able to like face my day knowing that, you know, I've done everything I need to do. So I work out, I'll do breath work or meditation in that time or yoga. And it's just like my time. So that's like a non-negotiable decision that I made in order to be able to deal with the day. 
you know, um, when I go on vacation, it's vacation, you know, like no client calls, nothing. That's it. I'm with my family. My focus is on them and they know that. So that's another thing. So it sounds like you have really established uh, self-care as a priority that it starts your day. It's not something that you hope to get to after that you do. Yeah, because I couldn't. I was trying to do that. And especially when COVID hit, it was like, well, we're all home anyway all day, right? I'll just squeeze it in. And then it never really got squeezed. So (laughs) that's when I, it was, uh, yeah, it was in December that I decided I'm going to see, it didn't wait till the new year. Don't wait till new year's to make your resolution. (laughs) So I decided in December like that, I was going to wake up at five 30 and get everything done. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. I have a, a, I'd like to share a self-care that I just started. Okay, Awesome. It was a, it was in December too, uh, last year when I realized that I had not, I'd been neglecting my own Mm self-care and, and I did not want to have that experience again. So one of the things that I decided for this coming year is that I would choose one day a month and just, uh, it's, I call them right now it's Mary Mondays because they all happen to be Mondays. And the only thing I do on those days is whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. Mm -hmm. So there's no external expectations, no anything. Mm-hmm. So yesterday was my first experience with that. And um, I didn't quite know what to do, right? I didn't plan my day out. Mm-hmm. I had in mind a few things that I, I would be interested in doing should the impulse arise. So one of the things that I noticed about that, especially in the morning, is that um, inner chatter saying you need to be doing something, you need to be doing something. I did more lawn- laundry, cleaning the house, washing. I mean, literally every chore that I could see, I did before I stopped myself and said, this is, on the one hand, I love the clean house, right? And so it it did kind of fit that, my rule about only what I want to do. I did want to do it. But there was also that part of me that just felt like I had to be doing something. And um, to hear that and to buck back against it and say, no, (laughs) I'm not doing it. It felt kind of frightening and and liberating because as the day went on, I was more and more comfortable with just doing whatever I was doing in the moment. Like I didn't have to come up with something to do. I'm already doing something. So um, that is, uh, I wanted to share that experience because I don't know where it goes from here, but I'm excited to see how this might develop and how that is going to impact my overall performance now when I come back to work, so to speak, right? I'm so glad you brought that up because it is so common. Like as women, we feel like we have to be doing something. We have to be taking care of somebody, right? We have to be doing the laundry. We have, and we're so far down on the bottom of our list. Even when you plan a whole day to take care of yourself, you couldn't do it, right? That's how ingrained it is in us. So I feel like we always have to be doing stuff like that. But as you know, I like to say, it's just like when you're on the airplane and you hear the announcement, put on your own mask, before putting it on small children or anyone else that needs assistance, right? Why do you do that? Because if you're putting your mask on someone else first, you're going to pass out because you're not having the oxygen. It's the same thing. We need to take care of ourselves first, or we are not showing up powerfully. We are not showing up 
100% for the people we want to show up for, whether that's our, our, our clients, our bosses, our coworkers, our spouses, anyone, right? Like if we don't put on our own mask first, we're going to pass out. Right. Yes. This, uh, this is a great learning experience. I love having these conversations with other women like you who are also imperfectly practicing, you know, this um, intention of self-care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, we can show up in our business than the way we want to show up. hundred percent. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I really have enjoyed this conversation and I kind of want to recap some of the takeaways and, and make sure that I'm understanding some of the things that we talked about today. One is that it's a myth that this has to be, uh, this transition into menopause has to be suffering. We have to suffer through it. Um, and, and there are definitely medical, you know, uh, mm-hmm. options. And then there are other options that are more available to us at any time, like checking in on our diet and, and eating whole foods and eat, you know, eliminating processed foods and sugars. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I heard from you today is again, that the importance of managing our own stress, because specifically in menopause, as our, um, stress levels are higher, that's messing with those hormone production systems that are transitioning, right, from our ovaries now to our adrenals. Um, So self-care is not just important for all of the other reasons that we know self-care is, but it will also help us manage those symptoms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. You got it. (laughs) Thank you. This, like I said, you, this has a, been a really informative conversation. I'm really glad to know you. Where can other people find you? Yeah, sure. So um, on Instagram, I am Coach Melissa Bell, M-E-L-I-S-S-A-B-E-L-L. And my website is yourpowersurge.com because I like to say it's a power surge, not a hot flash. Got it. <laughs> And what will they find? Like, um, are there, are your services on your website? What kind of services are you offering? Yeah. So right now I'm doing just one-on-one coaching with my clients. So I meet with my clients for, it's an 11 week timeframe, one-on-one on on Zoom, on phone, however. And um, yeah, I walk them through their personal hormonal profile and give them their um, nutritional profile as well. Things they should be doing, but in a lot of stress reduction. So a lot of breath work techniques, a lot of um, stress reduction techniques. I walk them through understanding that stress, there is no stress in your life. Stress is not caused by anything on the outside. Stress is caused in your brain, a hundred percent. So I do a lot of work with them in that um, aspect. So basically walking away and understanding like how to eliminate stress, not just do meditation and have it be gone for a half hour, but how to eliminate stress in your life, 100%. So it's all on my website. You can reach out to me through my website or through Instagram. I'm available. (laughs) And providing a really valuable service. I mean, just being able to talk with you about this topic today in a public forum is really quite liberating. Uh, I've enjoyed that. So thank you again for your time and sharing your um, expertise with us. And I know there are a lot of women out there who need your services. Great. Thank you for having me, Mary. It's been great talking with you too. Hi, this is Mary. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you are coming away feeling maybe a little inspired, maybe a little more informed, or maybe just rested. 
Most of all, I hope you're coming away feeling empowered. If you do, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. But most importantly, please pass along this sense of empowerment to your friends and to your networks. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you.